Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Tumbling Dice. This is Ali, and for today's episode, we have a really special guest, Miss Claire Pace from Discogs. Claire is the vice president of people and culture at Discogs, which is the largest online music database in the world. Welcome, Claire. Thanks for coming in. Thanks. Thanks for having me. <laughs> and can you tell us a bit about yourself, your role at Discogs, Discogs as a company? Yeah, sure. So as you said, um, I'm the VP of People and Culture at Discogs. Um, and yeah, beautiful introduction for Discogs. We're mm -hmm. the largest uh, database and marketplace as well for uh, physical music. Uh, so it's actually, Discogs has been around for about 20 years, uh, which I think a lot of people don't don't realize. Um, and it's a community built website. Uh, so started uh, 20 years ago by Kevin, our um, founder and CEO, uh, who basically just wanted um, to build something so he could catalog his own vinyl collection. Um, and it kind of just grew from there. So uh, people found it online um, and wanted to add to the database. Uh, so he, he built a way for people to contribute their own records to the database. Um, and we now have over 12 million releases in the database, wow. uh, which is pretty <laughs> incredible. Um, and then as well, uh, people can buy and sell records, CDs, uh, tapes, any, any sort of physical music as well. Um, yeah, so that's Discogs. Uh, and yeah, my role itself, um, we're actually, we're a US company uh, originally, uh, but we do have an office here in Amsterdam. Uh, and then an office, a very small office in Tokyo as well. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, nice. we've got three people working out there. Oh, cool. So uh, Japan's quite a big market for us. Mm -hmm. um, and so it makes sense for us to, to have a little community there as well. Nice, nice. And how, in terms of getting into music, how have you developed in the music industry? How did you get started? Yeah, um, so I actually started my career more in web design. Um, so that's what I studied at university. Um, I'm originally from Melbourne. And I was working for at, as a web designer at an agency um, and kind of realized pretty quickly that that wasn't for me. I didn't like uh, sitting in front of a computer and just not talking to anyone. Um, so I started doing more the client side of things um, for an online marketing company. Um, and then I transferred. So I was working for that company in Melbourne and I transferred here to Amsterdam about six years ago um, and started working for that company um, in Amsterdam. Uh, I was working ridiculous hours. It was a startup um, and I wasn't loving it. Uh, and actually I, um, I was at work and the recruiter at our company sent me the Discogs job ad. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so she sent it as a great example of like how she liked the, the job ad laid out. Um, and I took a look at it and I was like, I know Discogs. Um, and at that stage, Discogs didn't have a presence in Amsterdam. So mm -hmm. the position was to basically... Um, help them set up the, the office here in Amsterdam. Um, and that was about four and a half years ago now. So um, I applied for it and, and got into it. So um, I, I guess technically this is my first job in the music industry because uh, cool. I came more from an online marketing mm -hmm. uh, background. Um, but, you know, I've just always been keen uh, on music, uh, as I'm sure a lot of people are, and just um, it's really fit in with, you know, my passion for music and being able to work in it as well and also work with people and do what I love, which is um, sort of around that HR element and um, and making sure people have what they need. So Yeah, absolutely. And also just in terms of your experience in music as a kid, did you go to a lot of gigs or just yeah. listen to your parents' music <laughs> or how did it come about? Yeah, um, I, I, it's weird actually. I think, um, you know, my parents are sort of into music but not, not into music as much as I am and, and mm -hmm. sometimes they, you know, 
used to tease me about like where did I get it from because yeah. it kind of just just came um, by myself. But yeah, growing up in Melbourne in the like 90s and early noughties, I guess there was um, a huge kind of indie rock um, music scene and also punk uh, as well. So, um, you know, I grew up listening to, there's a radio station out there that you might've heard heard of that's called Triple J. Um, Triple J, I haven't. Okay, it it's, that's okay. It's, um, it's changed a lot now actually, but back then when, you know, when I was 15, it was, it was huge. They did a thing called the Hottest 100 and it was a, a massive um, countdown for the year. Um, there were TV shows like uh, Rage and Recovery, um, which were uh, kind of like, all about music clips and um, that really just kind of shaped, I think, the the music that I was into. Um, and I quickly started just going to kind of every underage gig I could yeah. <laughs> um, as a teenager. Um, and then that kind of evolved into festivals. So um, Big Day, I grew up on Big Day Out. I don't know if you've heard of that festival, but it was a huge music festival uh, in Australia um, that, that I just absolutely loved. And there's Meredith Music Festival. There's just a whole range of festivals out there that um, I really got into. And I think uh, that kind of evolved once I hit university I got a little bit more into um, electronic music but probably more like at that time it was a bit more mainstream electronic music mm -hmm. I guess like presets um, midnight juggernauts uh, and that sort of uh, music and and again then the festival started changing towards those those kind of um, bands that were really popular or DJs I should say um, and yeah it just kind of evolved from there so just always loved music and yeah. attending shows and and um, you know, back then collecting CDs, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember my old CD player as well, a little compact, uh, portable CD player. Yeah, yeah. I also had a, I remember when um, I bought a mini disc player mm -hmm. um, and I was convinced that CDs were on the out and mini discs were coming in. So <laughs> got like a mini disc player, a portable mini disc player, oh, um, and it just never kicked off. So. <laughs> Still to come. I see yes. cassettes are coming back, so maybe the <laughs> mini disc is the next thing. <laughs> and also, do you see it, like in terms of music with, Australia and Amsterdam just in Melbourne do you see a lot of similarities in the music culture or the interest or how do you feel would you identify the cities or the even the countries Netherlands or Australia around music yeah um you know I think Melbourne is definitely uh you know we say it's the the music capital um of Australia um much to probably people's disappointment <laughs> for Sydney um, but there's there's just a lot of live gigs um mm. I I was surprised you know moving to Amsterdam um, I definitely felt the shift in like more DJs and more kind of clubs um, rather than in Melbourne. But then when I've gone back to Melbourne in the last couple of years, I've really noticed that shift as well. So I think it was just, you know, around that time, maybe Amsterdam was ahead of Melbourne mm -hmm. in that shift because it's always had a, a heavy electronic uh, influence. Um, but now I really feel that back at home. So there's definitely similarities there. Um, yeah. And a lot of the DJs that I... Um, know and love here and that are really popular in Amsterdam and like Amsterdam based DJs are now going down to Melbourne and, and playing at festivals and events and clubs yeah. there so um, yeah the, I think there's some similarities um, but yeah definitely you know I think Australia and Melbourne always has like a very strong kind of live music mm. um, more like rock um, okay. indie rock presence cool. uh, than nice. Amsterdam. Nice fair enough. And just jumping back into Discogs and the team and the office environment, can you tell us a bit about what it's like working in this community? Because I imagine with all the music lovers around, you must be playing vinyls for each other, <laughs> having just sharing discussions of your interesting finds. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, I think that's probably the 
the biggest shift I noticed, um, you know, working for a previous company, we definitely had a few of us that were into music and we would uh, create playlists and share some things. Uh, but coming to Discogs, it was a big shift. You know, one of our core values is passion for music. Mm -hmm. um, so it's something that, especially from my side, as um, I do the interviews at Discogs, I'm looking for people that have kind of that core value um, within them. And, you know, I, I think there's, there's people that say that they, you know, like music, but then there's people that are really passionate about music and kind of live and breathe it. So pretty much everyone that works for Discogs has that that passion. Yeah. Um, and I think the, the fantastic thing that I've noticed is that there's no uh, judgment when it comes to like music genres and things mm -hmm. like that. So um, we get to kind of explore different different music and I've definitely discovered music that I just wouldn't have discovered if I wasn't working at Discogs and um, sitting in the office and someone plays something. So. Um, yeah, we're definitely sharing lots of things. We have like uh, on Thursdays we do like theme music Thursdays, so we come <laughs> up with so a nice. um, with a theme, and then we basically add to a playlist uh, based on that theme. And then on Fridays we have Vinyl Fridays, um, so we try to bring in records and um, and play them in the office whilst we're working. Um, and there's definitely you know happy hours that we do where people will come in and um, and and DJ as well. So. Uh, lots of people are, that work at Discogs are, are DJs on the side um, or play in bands and things mm. like that. So uh, going to see people's shows and, and support them musically as well. Nice. And today's the Thursday as we're recording. So what's the theme for... Uh... I, I actually, I wasn't in the office today, yeah. so I don't know. Uh, but we have been through, you know, a, a whole range. It kind of depends... Um, it depends on the time of year and, and different things. But we have like a random generator that will just... We've got a big list of themes and then it will pick it randomly and we see oh, how we nice. go. Oh, yeah. nice. Very cool. Is there a lot of pressure as well in terms of coming up with interesting music <laughs> that the other people haven't heard of? Um, I, You know, I, I thought that it would be like that when I first started at Discogs mm -hmm. that, um, you know, kind of you feel like you, you're going into a company where people must know so much about music mm -hmm. um, and you should, you know, really bring your A-game to to, um, to the office. But it's really not like that at all. Um, there's definitely things that people have brought um, in or uh, that I haven't heard of, um, but there's definitely no judgment when it comes to, uh, to the different music. And if it's something that's quite, you know, mainstream or um, poppy, that's fine. Um, yeah. I think there's a, a time and a place for that. So Yeah, absolutely. I think we can all say we love a good pop song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, for the next question, I was wondering, just because in general, from what I've experienced, record collecting and shopping for vinyl can be a bit of a reclusive hobby where you go to a fair or a store by yourself, you're online searching discogs by yourself, even playing records by yourself. I can't say my uh, friends or apartment mates love to just come sit next to me when I pick up a new record. So yeah. One of the interesting things with Discogs is it's really community oriented mm -hmm. and crowdsourced and they even have these communities online through the platform. So why is this connecting the community ethos so important for Discogs? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a good question. I, I, you know, another core value at Discogs as well as passion for music is actually community. Mm. Um, and that the reason for that is because we just wouldn't exist without the community. We are community built, um, as I mentioned. And, you know, we really recognize that without the community, we wouldn't be around. And, and there's so many things, even like the marketplace itself was born from the community. So um, when Discogs first started, it was just the database. Mm -hmm. um, and then what happened is, um, you know, Kevin and, and a couple of the developers noticed that people were actually listing, using the listings, the releases that they were submitting to let people know that they had an item for sale. 
Um, and so as they picked up on this, they're like, right, the community must want uh, a marketplace. Um, so they built the marketplace for them. So, um, yeah, even though I think, you know, there's something quite personal about collecting records, um, it's just we are community driven and like you go to an event and, um, you know, everyone wants to talk about records, wants to talk yeah. about music, share their share their music, talk about discogs. Um, so I think that's a really community um, driven kind of atmosphere and um, and yeah it's a really nice feeling so uh, we like to we like to like um, encourage that and I think you know one of the things that a lot of sellers tell us um, you know they might sell on some other marketplaces online uh, but they say like selling on Discogs is their favorite because the community is so passionate about music um, and is looking for maybe a very specific release. Yeah. Um, and so that's a lot more exciting for them to have that really passionate community. So um, I think it, for us, it's a real, um, it sets us apart from any other online marketplace. Yeah. Um, and we're grateful for that. And we're grateful for the community and the, the hours that people have put in to submit and and list things online so yeah absolutely and just curating their own collections and everything it's exactly. really incredible to see the database there yeah 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 and there's there's so many features there there's lists on on discogs as well i'm not sure if you've seen it but people mm -hmm. can create lists and people are, are just creating some amazing content there um themselves so it's yeah it's, it's, it's really nice you can kind of get lost in a rabbit hole uh, of discogs yeah um and it's all because of the community so yeah that's really brilliant and aside from being perhaps a, maybe a lonely hobby, it's also quite an expensive <laughs> hobby I found. And I was looking at the report from 2019 that Discogs released and saw the most expensive record sold was over $9,000. It was a Beatles record. But yes. I think that's part of the issue that a lot of people don't get into uh, having their own record collections is just because it's a bit expensive when you consider that you can find music nowadays on your fingertips through mm -hmm. streaming. So what is the attraction? Why? Why do people turn to vinyl? Yeah, yeah, we talk about this uh, internally a lot, um, obviously, because we've seen um, a big spike in, in vinyl in the last, you know, 10 years or so. Um, and we talk about why. Um, you know, I, I think there's a few things. I, I think for me personally, you know, I've gone through, um, as I said, collecting CDs when I was 15. Um, and then, you know, I remember when iPods came out and you could download music, I was so amazed yeah, and yeah. so excited. And I kind of became obsessed with just having as much music as I could um, on on my iPod. Um, and then I kind of, once Spotify and, and streaming became more popular, um, I, found a I found myself a little lost, I think. Like I found the amount of music out there overwhelming and I, I found it hard to keep on top of all of the music that was out there and feeling like I actually owned the music. I found that a new album would come out by, you know, a band that I really liked. I would probably give it one listen and then I would forget about it. Um, and it wasn't because I didn't like the album. I just was a little overwhelmed with, with everything. And I didn't feel like on, you know, say Spotify, I owned that, that album. So I started buying vinyl because I think for me, it was a nice way to feel like, I owned that that album again and I didn't forget about it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, although I, I feel like, yes, you know, you have to spend 20 euro or, or 30 euro on a record, um, I do that with the albums that I really want um, and I want to keep. Um, and there's a lot of albums yeah. that I really, really want to keep. But, you know, Long I think list. because of that, there's yeah. like a, a nice balance between digital. Uh, so I still stream, obviously. Um, if a new album comes out, I'll definitely stream it. I'm not going to go out and buy it yeah. um, without listening to it first. 
Um, but then I add something to my want list and then buy it on, on uh, vinyl if I really want to own it. I think that's... Yeah, and in playing off of that, I really find whenever I buy a record, I can remember exactly how old I was, where I bought it, when I bought exactly. it, how it was when I first played it. And with digital streaming, you just don't get that same reaction. So yeah. it's weird how you kind of have almost these memories attached to the tangible product compared to just if you're listening to and passing whatever is on Spotify. Yeah, exactly. You know, also that um, ability to, you know, you listen to a record and you're playing it from start to finish. Um, you know, you can play the B side before yeah. the A side, but um, you are playing it kind of in the way that the artist intended. And I think there's something nice about that. Um, you know, now with playlists and things, you can just hear one song and then move on or not even listen to the full thing. So I also think that has a nice, um, a nice feeling to it. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the, like the song order and you said the A side, B side chosen in a particular order for a reason. Mm -hmm. So definitely nice feature. And just going into maybe more vinyl in general, there was, I believe it was in February, there was a massive fire in California mm -hmm. that burned down a factory that made the lacquers for vinyls. And it was only one of two in the world. And there's big fear in terms of how this will affect the vinyl industry with massive repercussions. And has this already can in, like come into conversation with Discogs? Yep, it definitely has. Um, we actually posted, I don't know if you have seen it, we've got a, a blog. Yeah. Uh, and we posted an article on it a few weeks ago. Um, you know, when the news first came out, we were, we were pretty shocked. Um, and yeah, I think even, you know, if you read online, people were calling it a disaster yeah. and uh, vinyl get vinyl geddon. I think they were saying <laughs> vinyl <-geddon. laughs> Yes. Um, so yeah, it was scary because, as you say, it was one of the two companies producing the the um, lacquer discs. Um, but you know, when we posted that article, we did a little bit of research. We spoke to a couple of people in the industry, um, and the damage isn't potentially as bad as as we first thought. Um, and I think that's just because. Um, one, a lot of the records that are being made this year uh, would have been already, um, they've, they're already mastered and, and made into stampers. Yeah. Um, so we're not going to see the, you know, the impact immediately. Um, and then the other thing is that a lot of the vinyl that's pressed outside of the United States, um, they use MDC and DMM, um, which doesn't require the lacquers from um, where the fire was. Mm -hmm. So... I mean, it's still devastating, yeah. but it's like not as, I think, devastating as, as people. As it, yeah, as it could have been. Exactly. But we were discussing earlier today about the impact coronavirus actually yes. might have. And so maybe <laughs> you can talk a bit about that. Yeah, so that's, um, you know, another one we're, we're watching quite closely. Um, and there's a lot of unknowns. I mean, internally as a business, um, I think we're, we're suffering just as all other businesses would be. Um, so we have like certain trainings planned or certain events um, that are now, you know, with... Uh, not being able to travel yeah. to the US, um, that's impacting us, so cancelling things like that. Um, but we did have today, I guess we're starting to, to hear the first um, impact to our sellers and to our buyers in that people that might be quarantined uh, in certain areas are unable to go to the postage um, store to, to ship their records, um, and that impacts the buyers obviously as well. So um, we're keeping a close eye on it. Um, we're not sure, you know, as we were saying before, I think um, if you're quarantined, it's a great time to be online and, and use Discogs. Dig into your records, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and buy some things um, online. But it's also just, you know, a little worrying in that if things aren't as stable in the economy, um, maybe people aren't going to be buying and, and um, buying as much records as, as they have been. So 
um, that impacts our sellers as well, which which is unfortunate. Yeah, it's just something unfortunately we have to wait and see how it plays out, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the other thing to consider is for record stores themselves, uh, they're not getting as much yeah. foot traffic as well. So um, I'd love to see that, you know, we could supplement that for them by having online sales. Um, but yeah, we just don't know. Yeah to be determined yes and just in terms of vinyl and its impact on the environment as well because producing vinyl is uh has is quite a negative for the environment in terms of toxic wastewaters and greenhouse emissions so have you seen any changes in the vinyl industry in adapting to create more i guess ecological practices or green manufacturing yeah yeah um this is another one that we talk about a, a little bit internally um there's actually a an organization in the netherlands i don't know if you've heard of them but uh they're called uh, green vinyl records and it's oh, no. a project um that's been started by around eight different uh dutch companies um, and they're looking at some more sustainable ways to actually press vinyl. Um, I think it's I think they're in the south somewhere. I've seen them talk at a couple of um, conferences. Um, so there's definitely companies that are looking for ways to innovate the process and make sure that it's less um, harmful, I guess, to yeah. the environment. Um, so you know, I think that's really positive to see um, internally as well. We we talk about it because we have. Um, we have a little guild called the Go Green Guild um, mm. that meet, you know, around once a month. Um, and that's more talking about us as a business and what we can do to reduce our um, carbon emissions um, and also offset them as well. So um, we've done things like um, for all our travel that we're doing, we offset um, the, the travel, uh, but also looking at like um, how much carbon we're using in the marketplace around the world with all of the shipping yeah. and how we could potentially offset that. So. Um, it's definitely a topic that we're we're talking about. Um, yeah, it's just it's sometimes it's a little overwhelming and, and yeah, hard absolutely. to solve. But um, yeah, it's definitely at the front of our our minds. Yeah, and it's something that I think with a, there's a lot more research that can be done into it. So it's also an exciting thing to get into. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And you know, I think the positive thing is most of the records on our um, site that are being sell, sold are um, secondhand. Yeah. Um, so encouraging that you know secondhand market um, and making sure that, you know, obviously there's new records as well coming out and, and being produced, but um, it's nice to see that there's still a, a heavy um, secondhand market out there. Those are almost the best ones to get. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <The> old scores. <laughs> are there also just any interesting develops in vinyl record collecting community in general that you're seeing? Um, yeah, this, I know, you know, you were telling me about um, a Kickstarter around yeah. how you could make your own um, vinyl at home. I haven't really, I mean, I think, you know, there's the subscription services that have come out, mm -hmm. which I think are interesting. They're not really innovative, um, but I think that's an interesting concept because it's taking that um, vinyl, that increase in vinyl and, you know, you pay, I think around 30 bucks or something a, a month and you get a, a record that's curated to your taste, sent mm -hmm. to you, um, which is kind of fun. Um, I also have seen a couple of companies that are doing, they'll press, a lower amount of records for you. So if you're a, a you know a band or an artist that uh, can't afford or doesn't have a, a record deal to get records pressed, you can just do a run of like a hundred records, um, which is cheaper um, for you, and then you know you can distribute those. So mm -hmm. I think that's pretty cool to see as well. Um, but yeah, I haven't seen too much um, in terms of like technology combining technology yeah. and and record pressing. Yeah, maybe also something interesting yes. that we'll see develop. And just kind of on a last, more broad note, I was wondering, because from my own experience of going record shopping, whether at fairs, at stores, 
it's very uh, a lot of men <laughs> i would say about 10 percent of women in the room and yeah. so why do you think this is and how do we encourage more women to get into selling and collecting records yeah this is another one that we talk about a lot uh, at discogs it's nice to see all yeah. these things uh, <laughs> on the table there yeah um you know that 10 percent that you talk about that's very similar for us and when we look at our users mm-hmm. um on discogs and and for me as a woman uh, that collects records um, and, you know, I go to these record fairs, I go to record shops, I have just never really been able to answer why it is such a male-dominated industry. Um, and I think that's, you know, maybe it comes back from, you know, just the music industry in general mm-hmm. um, is very male-dominated. Um, I think we're making some progression to towards, you know, a little bit of yeah. balance, but it, it's, it is very... Um, it's very far from that but I have you know I've been at Discogs for four and a half years and I do think in general I've seen um, more women at record fairs um, in the last couple of years Um, more women when I'm you know in a record store as well Um, I've also seen a younger demographic I think those two things are kind of changing at the same time so um, yeah I mean there's some great initiatives out there for women I I think there's some great um, groups that are encouraging you know just women that are working in the music industry, mm-hmm. um, but also just trying to promote. There's uh, Women in Vinyl um, that does like a blog post on women that are working in the music industry. Um, so I think, you know, surfacing that a lot more and, and encouraging women and, and making sure that it's, yeah, it's it's advertised that women like music yeah, exactly. too. We like music <laughs> as well. And, um, you know, there's, there's some really good groups also promoting like DJs that are women and, and trying to get more women on uh, festival lineups and things like that. And I think that will help. Um, but yeah, it's it's something that I've always has puzzled me and I can't, can't answer because as I say, like women like music. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I found it really strange myself. There've been a lot of situations where I'm in a store and I'm the only woman there. Yeah. And yeah. maybe it's just this initial fear of women not t- like believing, I guess, in their own musical knowledge or yeah. being scared to ask questions at a store. But ladies, if you're listening, go buy a turntable. Exactly. And start spinning. Yeah. It's <laughs> really such a enjoyable hobby to have, I think. Yeah. And now just to kind of get into fun topics, I would say, about your own personal music taste and the record collection you have. So maybe yeah. first start off by telling us about your own record collection, favorite genres or how you organize. Yes. That's always the debate. <laughs> Yeah, well, um, maybe as you can identify, I think uh, the tough thing about not, uh, you know, living in your home country um, Mm. is I'm very conscious about getting too many records. Yeah, Um, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Just because, you know, transport-wise, they're probably not the most convenient um, format or medium to to move across countries. Um, So I think because of that, my record collection isn't massive. Um, I've got around 300 or so um, records. Um, But... You know, it's hard not to buy records, so it has yeah. slowly grown just because of that. Um, yeah, as I said at the start, I think I, I'm re- I was really into indie rock and, and rock when I was young, so I have a lot of um, records uh, in that genre. Uh, but then, you know, living in Amsterdam, I've also got a lot of electronic music, uh, jazz, uh, funk, soul, um, so a, a whole mix. Um, and I categorize them by genre uh, yep. and then in alphabetical order in oh, those wow. genres. Oh, wow. Doubling so up on it. I double up, yes. <laughs> you also have this debate in the office, I imagine. We do, we do. And yeah, people do some some different things. Um, but yeah, for me, that kind of works best. Um, but it's also very interesting how quickly that gets out of order. So Especially genre nowadays. I feel that there's so many cross-genres well, cross and yes. it's really hard to just 
pinpoint and define one. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And do you remember your first record you bought? <sighs> That's a good question. Uh, I don't actually. Um, it must have been back in Melbourne. Uh, God, maybe in my late teens, early early twenties. Um, I remember. I you know I remember my first CD and embarrassingly mm -hmm. I think it was um, Aqua Barbie Girl. I was probably like. <laughs> 11 or <laughs> yeah mine so. was nick lachey and beyonce oh, so. <laughs> i'm not much better that's a little bit better i think maybe than aqua nice and in terms of records do you have a favorite a or b side on one um yeah i also that's thought maybe a lot difficult. about this one yeah. it's a difficult one i yeah i'm trying to think i definitely have a favorite um you know, a record that I have in my collection that I value probably the most. Uh, it's just a single um, and it's, um, we actually, for Discogs at around the holiday uh, season, we buy a record for people from their want list. Um, oh, like a secret <laughs> Santa, that's so lovely. <laughs> yes, um, so we normally have a cap on it and um, one year, I think it was two years ago, I um, asked for from Discog Santa, I guess, um, just a single that was 50 bucks, um, but it's Baby, I don't know if you know, so Ariel Pink do a cover, yeah. um, and then the original is by like um, Don, I can't remember, Emerson, and anyway, that's that's most valuable to me, I guess, because I think I wouldn't just go out and spend 50 bucks on, on a single, single. Yeah. Um, So and I love that song, so um, yeah, that's I guess my most valued record. Cool. And do you also go on Discogs yourself a lot? I do. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I am, um, you know, I, I, I'm sort of always on there if I'm looking for a certain thing. If we're playing something as well in the office, we'll always link through to the Discogs um, release. Yeah. Um, and so that causes us to sort of click through and then add something to our want list or, um, or sort of go down that rabbit hole, as I was mentioning. So yeah, I, I do, I'm probably on it every single day, um, just looking around, so. Yeah, and do you go record shopping a lot as well in terms of just the stores in Amsterdam, especially? There's so many here. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Um, we also sometimes do, you know, trips as an office to, oh. <laughs> to stores. Office field trip, <laughs> yeah. I love that. Oh. Yeah, and we're in a pretty good uh, location, so we're around the corner from, from lots of uh, good record stores. I love, Waxwell is one of yeah. my favorites here. Rush Hour, of course, I think is an institution here in Amsterdam. Yeah. Um, I love Concerto. There's just like a whole bunch. Um, and yeah, we, we really try and encourage, like I think, you know, obviously buying online on Discogs is important to us, but um, just supporting the local stores, I think is really, really important. So uh, we try and encourage people to go out and, and support record stores and buy records uh, yeah. in store. And Record Store Day is coming up soon, isn't it? Is, it is, yes. Yeah. April, April something. I, yeah. I forget, but I know in the US as well, they always have really cool special presses. We'd queue up with my dad yes, <laughs> a bit yeah. early. Um, do you also just have any particular memories with a certain record or something that really stands out? A story or... A story. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, I definitely, I think as you said before, like uh, pulling out a record and remembering where... I've bought certain things. Um, so pulling out a record and remembering that I bought it in Barcelona or, yeah. you know, the Berlin, there's just so many places that I've gone record shopping. And I think, um, you know, that's my favorite thing to do when I go to a city, just go to a couple of record stores, buy those records. Cause you really remember where you've purchased them from yeah. um, and play that record. And it kind of takes you back to that trip. So um, I think that's, I don't have like a 
story that stands out for any of them but just um yeah buying records around the world i think yeah that's that's a really nice um a nice part of of buying those records yeah it's such a nice souvenir in a way much better than a magnet exactly (laughs) i would say (laughs) and i was looking through as well on discogs just the top selling genres for last year in general and and there are so many genres nowadays that i have never heard of that almost seem made up and have you come across anything in particular that's just very strange yeah, there's, again, I would just encourage people to go on Discogs um, and go down that rabbit hole. There's definitely some some more shocking kind of genres and styles um, that we've encountered that I didn't even know existed. Um, but yeah, I would just encourage people to go on Discogs explore. and sort of explore because yeah. there's, there's some pretty crazy um, styles out there that, yeah, it's just never ending and there's such a long list. And maybe to go off of that, because Discogs can be a rabbit hole, I find going to record fairs a bit daunting. Mm-hmm. And when you have just so many crates, thousands and thousands of records around, do you have any tips or recommendations for whether on Discogs or in person, how to kind of, I guess, curate and go through a selection to find something? Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been, but Utrecht Record Fair yeah. um, is... Massive, um, and that's probably one of the record fairs that I walked into and was just completely overwhelmed at the sheer size of it. Um, Especially, I mean, we normally have a a stand there, so we don't have too much time to sort of look around. Um, But you could spend, you know, more than the two days that you've got um, at that record fair just looking around. Um, You know, I think the the most useful thing for me is... uh, at an event like that, I make sure I have my want list on Discogs. <laughs> already. <laughs> yeah, already and just going through it. So I think adding something to, there's so many records out there and adding something to your want list uh, puts it kind of in the front of your mind uh, so that when you're looking um, at a record fair, it, it kind of stands out to you when you see that album cover. Um, or I kind of reference my uh, want list if I'm really feeling like, I just want to, I want to spend money, but I want to make sure it's something that I've really wanted yeah. um, and not just buying something random. Um, I also, I, I love when a record store or when you're at a record fair and they have a turntable so you can listen to the yeah, record. Um, I'm a big fan of that, um, especially if I'm trying to like buy something that I don't necessarily know. Um, if the store owner is recommending something from a particular genre that I don't know anything about, um, I always try and make sure I can listen to it before I buy it as well. Yeah, I had that when I was home this year for Christmas, actually. I, I didn't know this because I was so used to here at stores you go and then you can play whatever before buying. Yeah. And I went to open and the guy completely yelled at me, this is a closed seal, no yes. way you can test this. So I didn't buy and walked out, of course. Yeah. But yeah, I, I agree. And also I really enjoy just asking the people who have the booths, what are your recommendations? Yep. Or I know for Rush Hour, you always see their picks put on a little sticker, but... It's nice to also have a conversation with the people selling. I think. Yeah, exactly. And often um, what they're playing uh, in store as well. Um, sometimes I'll just like that and ask them, like, what are you playing? Yeah. Uh, and then just buy that. So um, I think, yeah, it's a really good point. Talking to the um, store owners is a great way to kind of get discover something new um, that you wouldn't normally listen to. Yeah. And I always come back with way more than I expected. To yes. spend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And do you have any advice for taking care of records um, in general? Yeah, I mean you know clean your records yeah. I think that's that's a good one uh, of course um you know things like making sure you're putting your record um with the open side um to the back so that dust isn't getting in mm-hmm. uh looking after your needle as well I think is important um yeah I have like a, a hard case that I travel around with um so that when I you know uh want to buy records I'm bringing them back 
in that hard case uh, and I always also take them on the plane with me never try and check them in Um, I think that's a disaster but yeah I mean just general you know cleaning them and, and making sure they're being put away as soon as you listen to them as well I know if you uh, just let them sit outside um, that can yeah not be so great for them as well so. yeah definitely and just kind of to wrap this part up and then we'll go into a bit of music um, <laughs> do you have any recommendations for people who are maybe looking to get into buying their first records or buying a turntable how to choose them just any starters tips yeah I I, I mean we get I get this question a lot actually from friends around like, you know, what turntable should I buy? Uh, there's some great blogs out there. I, I think we've done a few posts about it as well, just on like affordable um, record players uh, that, you know, are, are really good players, but they're not gonna, you're not gonna have to drop a thousand dollars just whilst you're getting into it. Um, so I would recommend getting something, um, you know, looking online and getting something around 200 bucks in terms of um, a, a turntable. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the best thing to do is just start buying records and, um, exploring and yeah, as I said, creating a want list, I think is a good way to kind of control, um, what you want to buy in, in the moment. Um, if you're kind of looking stuck or talking to the store owners, but I think just, just go out there and buy records and just do it. Exactly. And with that, we're going to jump into again, the music part. Uh, so my brother asked me recently if you could play any five songs in the world for everyone to hear. And he was saying it doesn't have to be what the songs you think are the best. It's just the songs you think everyone should at some point in their lifetime be able to listen to. And as a music lover yourself, I wanted to get your opinion, Claire. <laughs> so the first song you chose is Shine On You Crazy Diamond by Pink Floyd. Yeah. So why did you choose this one? Um. Yeah, so this was a really tough question for me. I think, um, you know, when you first asked me, I, I wrote down a list. I've changed that numerous times. <laughs> I think, like, as you say, it's really hard to, you automatically kind of start picking songs that are your favorite. Um, but then I think what I tried to do is just pick songs that have influenced a lot of other artists and, and music um, and also just a little bit of a range. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think when I, when I first thought about this question I think Pink Floyd was just you know a band that came to mind because yeah. I think um they they just cover a lot uh, when it comes to to their genre and they've influenced so many artists um that I think it's yeah it's it's important to have them on the list I can't remember but didn't they once play in Venice on gondolas or something like they had a stage in the middle of the waterways which wouldn't surprise me at all <laughs> yeah So we're just going to do brief samples of the different tracks. And of course, this one's a very long one. Yeah, it is a long (laughs) one and it has a a crazy intro. Um, Yeah, I think you'll just have to listen to play back for this one. Uh, For the next one, we'll jump into. It's going to be Fortet, Morningside. And why did you choose this one? Yeah, so as I said, I was trying to do a little bit of a a range of um, different music styles. um, And I think Fortet does a beautiful job like the first time I heard Morningside, I just, I, I couldn't believe how beautiful a song it was. Um, yeah, so. Here we go. <laughs> Do you own these tracks as well yourself on record? Or are they on your want list maybe? Uh, I, d- I definitely have uh, Fortet, Morningside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I have most of these actually. Nice. Yeah. Nice. 
Yeah, he's a really brilliant producer. Yeah. All right, next one is Chameleon uh, Herbie Hancock. Yes. Again, an another one just um, show a different a different genre, I guess. Um, this is another song that the first time I heard it, I just couldn't believe it and just wanted to hear it again and again. It's really yeah. catchy and, um, yeah, it's a great song. I've never heard this one before. No. no. Ah. Really nice. <laughs> it's really good. Really like it. <laughs> All right. The next one, classic. Oh, I like that one. Uh, Space Oddity by David Bowie. Yeah. Like another one just like Pink Floyd, I think. Like David Bowie's probably influenced so many artists um, and yeah just kind of sums up his genre as well i think it's it's hard not to think of david bowie yeah, when you're thinking absolutely. about this I think he has to be one of the artists I have the most records from yeah. when I'm thinking nice. back. Yeah. yeah. Are there any artists in particular that you have almost all their releases? Um, Patti Smith is probably someone that, yeah, I'm a huge fan of her and um, I think I have all of her records. Yeah, nice, nice, nice. And the last one is Lately by Stevie Wonder. This was a last minute wild card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, Stevie Wonder is just another person that came to mind yeah. when um, when I thought of this question. Uh, so, yeah, there's so many songs as well. It was really hard to pick just one, but uh, I think Lately is a really nice song. Perfect. Then I think we'll just close out with this one. And thank you so much, Claire, for coming on and speaking about Discogs, your love for music. And I just encourage everyone listening to really go explore Discogs. It's fascinating. It is a rabbit hole, so you will spend many hours, <laughs> I think, going through. And yeah, thanks again. Thanks for, for having me. Here. And here's Lately by Stevie Wonder. Vivid reason here to 